Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in this space. This week is episode six of season two. We're going to have a chat around Microsoft Entra Azure Active Directory and how it can give you an identity in the cloud. We will go into some of the features and how it can simplify the onboarding of users, as well as how you, how you, can, how you can secure their digital identities. Hey, Alan, how's it going? Um, are you ready to um, have a chat around Azure Active Directory? Hey, Sam. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be hard to stick it in 45 minutes. I think we're going to have to maybe <laughs> I, do an extended yeah. <laughs> one. <laughs> I am thinking that we're going to have to whistle-stop tour through a lot of these um, these areas because um, uh, from what I know, I'm not the uh, expert here. That is Alan. Uh, he's in the uh, the hot seat to, to go through as your AD. Um, but um, it is a relatively large product with lots of different technologies inside of it, right? So yeah, we're going to have to, yeah, um, whistle stop through it. Okay, let's, let's, let's go then. Right, so um, Alan, um, can you just give us a really high level, what is Azure AD, uh, Azure Active Directory, and um, how did it come about? Yeah, sure. So Azure, Azure Active Directory, which is now under the umbrella of Microsoft Entra um, is a, in effect, a cloud identity. So, you know, a, a system that allows you to create users um, to, with your username passwords, with, you know, information about their, their job tiles, things like that, um, that you can use within the Microsoft, initially within the Microsoft um, ecosystem, I guess. So primarily for Office 365 and for Azure. Um, we'll talk about later how we can extend that into other areas. Um, where did it come from? Well, kind it was kind of hidden, I think, when it initially came out. So when Office 365 first came out or started coming out, um, it was one way to get your identity up into the Office 365. So you didn't have to have different username and passwords or to enable seamless single sign-on using... Um, Azure AD Federation Services, ADFS. Um, that's where it originally sort of started. Um, so I remember doing it with a colleague in a few jobs ago um, when we started that journey to seeing how, you know, how we use SharePoint and Exchange Online in its you know start. And do you think that um, so sort of um, really early on in its 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 life, it was. Um, sort of a bridge from on-premise sort of active directory into the cloud, like as you were you seeing that um, my migration start to happen. Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't really, um, it wasn't really as big as it is today. It wasn't core to anything. It was kind of a, well, to, you know, to use your current username and password in Office 365, you had to do this sync up from your active directory to Office 365 at that point, it wasn't really identified as, uh, I guess from an admin perspective, maybe you've seen it as Active Directory, but it was very hidden. It was- and, and, you know, it, Yeah, and in, the, in, in that time, were you doing the, did you unknowing, were you unknowingly doing the hard work of syncing those accounts up into the cloud, um, sort of ready for Azure AD to, you know, become what it is today? Yeah, so yeah, it was you know in effect Azure AD itself, but it was it was different. It was it was different. It was um, yeah, you had to have a subscription to run it, things like that. You know, today you don't. Um, and I think there was a lot of configuration you had to do to get it to get the synchronization right, and there wasn't as much you know feature rich stuff with it. You know, it was just and you know you it, like I said, it was more you were syncing you were syncing accounts into Office three six five. You wasn't into Azure AD for Office three six five to do it. the 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 view of it was that that's what you were realistically doing, but without sort of not without knowing, but it was a trivial thing, I guess, at that point. In you know, this is, we're talking three, four, five years ago now. So effectively, you just had that. You know the Office three six five user administration view that we have now, which is 
kind of just a proxy on top of Azure AD. Is that just what you were having to use back then? That side of things. That's that's probably what you used mostly. There was a back end which was in the you know the Azure classic environment. That's how you know this is how old we're talking. You know, not ARM or Azure Portal with us at this point. And it was very it was it was very sort of back end kind of thing. It wasn't very friendly, I guess, at that time. You did, you know, you got it working and um you got your identities up for Office 365 and you know, I think it's completely changed now. Okay, so can we can we sort of um think about Azure AD as a cloud uh replacement or a brother or sister to on-premise Active Directory? Uh how how are they similar and how do they communicate with each other? You know, does one replace the other? Uh so I think there's always I think most organizations now are probably in a hybrid identity state where they've got active active directory for all their servers and their maybe their devices. I mean if we talk about the episode a couple of episodes back where we talk about um device management using endpoint manager. Um if you've got Azure AD joined devices, then they're directly attached to Azure AD. Um, but most companies are, are on that that move. But um, a lot of users, you know, a lot of organizations that are using Office 365 are definitely in that hybrid state. There's different authentication methods, etc., that that they're on their journey. Um, but potentially, I think the journey is up to the cloud. Um, I it's not a uh, over you know, overnight change, you know. There's things like um, you know device management, like we said. You know, as long as you know of all your devices are already joined, then you know, you know there's less on Active Directory. If we look at servers and they're in Azure, then you know you can do Azure AD joined authentication, which means they're not attached to the local AD. Um, so it is that journey, and potentially um, you can. Some organizations, new starters, um, small organizations that don't have Active Directory now can run purely on Azure AD. There's no reason not to. You, I don't think you would, if you're starting, if you're, if you're Greenfield, I don't think, unless there's a real requirement, you would spin up Active Directory and manage it. Um, because uh, there's, you're, we're working in a, you know, a, a remote working environment these days as well um whether it's 50 50 or it's you know full um so you need to be able to access you know your identity wherever you are anyway okay so we're so we're really looking at organizations okay let's let's talk about the majority here and just you know sort of put them all into a bucket um the majority of existing organizations that maybe have in the past had active directory they're they're either having to maintain both synchronized between them and they are both part of their core parts of their, you know, estate, um, or they are actively trying to uh, remove Active Directory and move um, to uh, Azure Active Directory as their main identity um, control plane, maybe. I don't know the best way to describe that, but... Um, is is that sort of uh, the the right take on it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we're seeing organisations moving towards moving to the cloud where they can, and it might be some functionality within the you know, for some functions within the organisation take that approach. I mean, the first part is users, and there are devices moving them into Azure AD. Well, you know, they're synchronised anyway, but move them solely to only authenticating with their device and that in the cloud. Um, and then it's moving on to the infrastructure. You know, does something need to be domain joined? Can it be Azure AD joined in Azure to re to relieve that? Um, and there's a few other bits. And you know, authentication to applications that are on premise. I mean, we'll talk about it briefly in a minute. But you know, can that be done via Azure AD rather than you know uh, Kerberos? Well, Kerberos can't be used in Azure AD now, but you know, um, other, you know, standard basic authentication, things like that, can it be moved to a, a newer technology for single sign-on, which at which point then, you know, it's not needed to be domain joined. 
And if we sort of think about the proliferation of SaaS-based software now, you know, moving away from sort of traditional on-premise server, in, you know, installed software, you know, like let's say you're you're um, you're going to run a Jira or a Confluence, you may decide now not to run like an enterprise version on-prem. You might decide to, you know, run the cloud version um, and and take away that you know, management overhead. Um, do you feel like that's, you know, because from an authentication perspective, a lot of those SaaS providers just simply have like very almost simple, you know, connectors into Azure AD, where if you wanted to do that into Active Directory, it could be more complicated. Do you think it's also driven by an application side of things as well? Yes, definitely. So, I mean, if we, if so if we jump onto sort of this, so, we talked about the identity, the Azure ID identities being used for Azure and Office 365. You know, Office 365 is a SaaS application, just native to Azure AD. So, you know, there is a, there most likely is a SAML connection there or some sort of authentication that's in the background um, that we don't see. But um, Azure AD gives you the ability to um, single sign on and sometimes provision, depending on the application. Um, into other SaaS applications. So as long as it's using OpenID or SAML 2.0, so these are, you know, these are quite new, not new, but they're the latest sort of versions of these um, protocols. Um, and most SaaS applications are, you know, capable of this, um, which then means you can have that single identity that someone can sign in without having multiple passwords. This goes, this helps towards the, potentially the zero trust and the going passwordless or you know, reducing the amount of passwords you have to look after. Yeah, because we're, we're sort of also thinking about our identities, not just within our own organization. So we're, what, what, we're tr what we're trying to, you know, um, to, to get to, I assume, is one singular identity. That would be the most purest form of this, right? That is then you know, uh, federated and shared between a number of applications. Internal, so we'll, we'll call that internal of, you know, um, Office 365 in your Azure environment, but then also out, you know, reaching out to, you know, the SaaS applications that you bring in for your for your business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's mostly around, I say mostly, there's two parts to it. There's security because you've got, you know, they've got a single identity, which, I guess people might feel well if someone takes that they've got the, the the kingdom, but we you know we put those security you know um, controls in place around that identity, and again we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but also it's the user experience. You know the user doesn't have to know a, an extra password. It's not the same password that they're reusing. It's not the same password plus a digit plus a number. You know we have, I suspect we've all been there where we've got Barbados. <laughs> 10 and you know barbados 11 or whatever you know the cat's name plus a number or, or whatever it might be to get you the you know the 10 12 characters you need to try and remember that's not you know put on your desk as a as a post-it um but yeah it reduces the amount of passwords you know users need and they can just go to um in azure id there's a my apps portal where you basically it shows all the apps that you have permission to i mean you can click on them the other part to it actually is the management of it. You know, you haven't, you haven't got to go into those other systems potentially and create the user, create the password, send the user the password. You know, it's potentially provisioned by an Azure AD group and potentially their role within that application, depending on if it's supported. Um, but yeah, so that, you know, from a managed perspective, it, it is it does simplify because you're only going to one place to try to manage those identities. So we're effectively attempting to reduce complexity, also reduce, you know, um, the potential for password reuse and, you know, mismanagement of those extra identities um, and to ensure um, people have the correct access to, you know, you're, you're centrally managing access and roles into certain software as well. Um, yeah, and it's probably just worth going into that one part of it really is, um, do you know when a user leaves you, know, you have to go into those 10 20 maybe 30 systems to disable their accounts 
in this instance, you know, it's potentially disabled on Active Directory, which means it's disabled on Azure AD, which then means it's disabled in all the applications because the identity is Azure AD. So, you know, from a, a join and move a lever process and, you know, reducing or t- turning someone's access off in those applications is is a lot simpler. Okay, so you, you talked about, you know, um, maybe a potential downside of having a singular identity is, you know, like I think you refer to it as like the keys to the kingdom, right? You know, if I if I if I get that one identity, then I've got access to all of these other identities, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah. what controls are there in place to actually secure that identity, and um, and give us confidence that that situation isn't going to occur? So, there's there's a couple of things that we can do, and I talk about technology at the moment, but let's talk about the organisations that don't want to or aren't in the position yet to do that configuration because some of it is a little complex. Um, that's why, you know, me and you are around to help with that configuration. Um, but, you know, if you've got an organization that, you know, just wants, isn't necessarily complex in how they work, you know, maybe they're all in the UK um, and there's, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a startup, there's 10, 15, you know, users. We're not talking like thousands at this point. Um, Microsoft introduced a year, maybe two years ago now. I can't quite remember, but they they created this um, security defaults, and in effect, it enables the multi-factor authentication pieces and some extra sort of bits in the background um, to basically secure that identity from the day dot. So one part of it is the Azure multi-factor authentication. So when a user you know, gets a new identity in there where it's been syn- synchronized from Active Directory or it's, you know, created on Azure AD. Um, they're asked when they first sign in to set up MFA. Like like we do on, on other applications, you know, the first thing you do in some applications, you know, is to set up that MFA. So it's not, you know, most users are used to that now. Um, other parts are that it blocks legacy authentication for you. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, and it, you know, uh, in when I mean it, like some of the legacy authentication being turned off in October, anyway, from it for exchange. But, um, but yeah, there's some and there's some a few other bits in there that it basically defaults for you. Um, so that's great. So from a small business, medium business, I guess, you know, you can straight out of the you know box. There's a little switch that you can turn on, and it says you know we'll turn the security defaults on, and then you know that identity is is secured in a in a you know as, as a high baseline or a very good security baseline at that point so, so that's that part so to, to do some of the extra security um some of it you ca- you can do so some of it is um we can't even talk about licensing i'm going to leave it till later but um azure active directory has a couple of tiers so there's azure active directory basic and 365 and it gives you some basic sort of functionality like you can create the groups you know groups and users um and you can force mfa every time the user signs in so you can do mfa without be having the full um azurity premium licenses um but so you have the other tiers so azurity premium p1 and p2 so if we talk about p1 um that allows you to use conditional access and conditional access is the gate to you know to your identity. So this just checks on you know your location, what device you're coming from. Um, what else is it on there? Let's just think about this. Um, what application you're trying to access? You know, and and what it will do then is based on the configuration you give it, it will um, be able to tell you whether you're allowed access or not. So the example would be that. If I'm so, if I'm outside the UK, then I get blocked. So I have to have a, you know a UK or a UK I you know IP address in effect. Um, now someone could come in via a VPN, and you know come from another country into the UK, you know. But what you can also do is you could say that if you're outside the UK, uh, but maybe you're in the EU, then you say you can force MFA all the time. Um, 
what you can also so the other parts of that is with the lo- locations you can specify your egress points where you know, where, where does your you know, your office come out of or your vp your corporate vpn come out of by using that you can say that if i'm coming from these ip addresses i don't need to do mfa because i'm, f- I'm from a trusted location so you can reduce that mfa prompt that users get so it's it's that balance of security and um user adoption or user usability i guess or the impact on the user so so conditional access if if i'm if i'm sort of um, digesting this correctly is sort of applying some logic as people try and access you know their their identity to try and add some sort of um, baseline policies into what they can and can't do right so instead of just saying you know, um, we need flexibility in the EU so that people can log in. You know, let's say we are UK based and that is where we want, quotes, everybody to, you know, access, you know, the system from. But some people, you know, some, some people in the business say, hey, well, I fly out to Amsterdam twice a month to do X, Y and Z. Then before you might say, OK, well, we'll just let you connect from anywhere. Um, but now we're able to sort of pinpoint and put logic on where people can access from. I mean, that's just one example of condition access, right? But but essentially what we're saying there is there a ba- there's a balance between the enforcement of security policy and usability. Because if you were to just a blank, blanket, right, anything that's not a UK IP address, we're just going to drop it. You know, like that isn't particularly useful in our, you know, our currently very connected world that we live in, right? So there are there are some legitimate use cases for accessing certain information, you know, from a different country, which makes a lot of sense to be able to help secure as best we can, um, but also give people the flexibility in order to to do what they need to do. Yeah, and that configuration can be done by, you know, different subsets of users. So if you've got, you know, your UK team, then yes, they can't, you know, come out, you know, can't leave, you know, they can't access the application or Azure AD integrated applications from anywhere apart from the UK. But if you've got a a Germany or a, a France team, then yes, you can change that configuration for them. So they're actually, you know, they can't do it from the UK, but they can, you know, anywhere in the, in France or Germany, but you know, so, they so, are allowed from their, you know, the, the corporate IP. So if they're visiting the UK, then they can still access it potentially. So what you're telling me is conditional access is also conditional for different people in the organization, right? It's yeah. not a global one and done. It's you can apply specific policies to certain groups inside of your organization. Yeah, so it can be, it can it can get quite complex, um, and it's as I guess it's kind of as complex as you need it to be. You know, do you need those different variations? You know, some organizations don't need that. You know, the main ones that we kind of do are you know they're not allowed to access anything outside the their home or their their operating countries because you know the, you know a lot of companies are multi multi-country now um it might be that they want to definitely block certain countries as well maybe you know maybe they don't want any any you know no one should ever be communicating from just china but actually they're free reign around the rest and it could be russia and it could be you know um other places as well but um you can do it that way you can you can do it and they and you can create exceptions as well so like like we said you know if there's you know the ceo that is going everywhere you know you just say you know maybe you just enforce mfa on that on you know that person whenever they are outside the uk where they you know where they normally reside kind of thing um so so that's conditional access um with azure premium p2 or p1 i should say you get things like the um self service service password reset so you can reset your passwords in the cloud but also that can drop down into ad so you might be able to reduce the amount of help desk calls you get for my passwords expired or i can't get into my account and then there's a you know you can just use the cloud version get your users to go there and that reset password can turn up on the front of Windows 10 and Windows 11 as the as a button at the bottom. So I forgot reset my password, and then they go through a authentication process. Okay, 
Great. Is there any other aspects of um, security uh, within inside of Azure AD that you, you think is worth mentioning? Yeah. Uh, I'm so... guessing there's lots that you can talk about, but yeah. Yeah, just... <laughs> yeah trying to whistle stop it. Um, yeah, so if you went up to the Azure AD Premium P2, which is a, you know, a, the higher license that you can get at the moment, um, you get identity protection. And as part of that, um, it uses Microsoft's um, intelligent security graph to profile users, sign-ins, and users. And this is using, you know, what you know, what IP address are they coming from and things like that. So it's kind of using that technology from or the logic that we're using already to define our conditional access, but it's doing it and giving it a risk score. So this sign-in at this, you know, this moment in time is currently being flagged as malicious because this IP address is trying, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100,000 different tenants to try and log into them. So at this moment in time, it's it's risky. So it will give it a, you know, a low, medium, high score. Um, and then within conditional access, you can use that risk score to say, well, if, I, if the sign-in is high, then just block access. So it's, it's I guess, adaptive to the, the, you know, the back end of Microsoft's machine learning in the intense security graph to identify you know, risky sign-ins. The other part is that you can get risky users. And depending on if you have password hashing set up where your on-premise accounts passwords are hashed um, two or three times and then synchronized up to Azure AD to do the authentication. And again, we could talk about that for another 45 minutes, but trying to keep it short. Um, Microsoft can you Microsoft um, buy password lists um, when they get leaked or they grab them from the dark web and then they hash them up like they would the other ones, your, your passwords, and then they can compare them. So they don't know what the passwords are, but they can, they compare them. And if they see a match with the username and the password, then it flags it as a high risk so that you can identify that there's been a leaked credential. And then with a, with conditional access, you can force a password reset to, to, you know, remove that risk. Yeah, it sounds great. So not only can you set these not static, but variable conditional access policies, you can then also take, I assume, a, some sort of decision engine, artificial intelligence, and you know the rest of their um, knowledge that they have with other customers and, and what's going on inside of their whole ecosystem to then come up with a risk-based you know, score for any sort of like um, sign-in or, you know, identity activity. Yeah. Yeah. And just quickly, one of the other um, uh, indicators for conditional access is the device that they're coming from. And like I said, you can do it based on compliant devices and that's based on endpoint managers. You know, is it been managed by that? Is it a hybrid join device, et cetera? So there's some other indicators there that you can use to reduce the amount of MFA prompts, things like that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so what I know about users and people is they're not static. <laughs> so I think it might be worth just trying to understand how um, Azure Active Directory attempts um, to help with the management uh, of the lifecycle of a specific user. And um, because that's, that's always been a, a tricky problem to solve. I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can imagine that if we have a, a um, should we call it a child of Active Directory, a sibling of Active Directory? I don't know um, how, how they've sort of, um, they've, they've tried to combat this problem, you know, in this cloud first approach. Yeah. So if we talk about the synchronization between Active Directory and Azure AD, you know, if a user is creating the right organization unit, OU, that it's synchronized, then their identity turns up in the cloud and their and their authentications will then work with you know active you know Azure AD at that point, depending on which authentication method has been chosen. And again, we we could talk you know, 20 minutes about that. Um, and the same thing of you know, if a user's role, you know, information's changed in Active Directory, then it's synchronized. And if they're disabled or deleted, then they're removed from Azure AD. So you know, it is it is a two way, you know, a one way synchronization there. So, if you've got a you know join and move a lever process already in place on prem, then it's going to help. It's going to contribute towards you know your identity in Azure 
AD. But if we talk about Azure AD directly, um, there's a couple of things that it can do. So we talked about the SaaS application. So based on it, if someone's in a group or they get added to an application that is you know, it, it federated with Azure AD, then their identity can potentially be provisioned in the other application. And again, added, roles changed, um, information change and disabled based on you know their Azure AD identity being changed or you know coming from the, the AD sync, AD Connect sync. Um, so that's really powerful because you ain't got like we said before, you haven't got to worry about going into every application, disabling accounts when they leave or changing their job title in every application, things like that. Um, but one part they have brought in is provisioning of users directly into Active Directory from a HR system. So there are, um, the list is growing bigger of supported HR systems and then they're SaaS, SaaS systems normally. So um, one of them is Workday and another one is this, uh, is a SAP one. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and there's a few others now that I, I've not looked into yet, but those systems, um, when a user's created, then they can be synchronized into Active Directory with all their information. And when you set things like their start date, you know, activate their account then, or if um, they're, you know, they've handed their notice in, then you can set the expiry date of their account and then it's synchronized. So you can leave your provisioning of users down to your HR team because in effect, it's them creating, you know, creating their accounts in the HR system to pay, you know, to set up their pay and everything and deal with that, that part. And then their accounts is, are created. Is is that connector? Because you said it, there's a workday and a SAP product that a SAP based product that is supported with that at the moment. Is that like um, that connection that has to be made from a HR system? I assume must be not bespoke per per customer, but bespoke to that you know that SaaS like HR system, right? Like as in. There's not, is there like a, if you had your own HR system, could you like connect that or are we sort of waiting for that first party integration to come from Microsoft? Yeah. So at the moment they are connectors in the application gallery in Azure AD to do that provisioning from the HR systems. Um, and there are more coming. Um, but yes, at the moment there isn't um, anything to, to build, you know, to, in effect, Add, have your own HR system do that um, provisioning at the moment. There are other tools that can do it for you, like Microsoft Identity Manager. Um, it's still licensed against Azure AD licensing at the moment. Um, so you can use that to do that, that transition because um, it doesn't have to necessarily talk to on-prem AD to do that provisioning. Um, so, any, so any logic that you would have to build inside of... Uh, MIM um, has already been rolled up for you for Workday and this other product, um, you know, quite nicely. Already. Yeah, yeah. So there's an interface in effect to build the transformations to do that okay. that that matching against what what fields in that HR system is to what fields in Active Direct in Azure AD, um, yeah. and what fields you want to fill. Properly and the actual sort of connector to those that HR those HR systems are provided by Microsoft, and the mapping of the schema has already been done. You know, and then you've just got to sort of wire up the correct fields yeah. to both sides. Yeah, I think most of it will be in place. It's whether you have any changes that you want to make. Like maybe you have a, you've added an extra field, or in the HR system, if you're able to, or you're using fields not in a in a in a different way. Maybe I, there may be different um, things you want to pull over. Um, yeah. Okay, so so for 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 JML um, a cloud a cloud-based identity is going to have its own sort of natural benefits because it is already connect, hopefully connected to those other applications that you're using that are maybe, you know, uh, SaaS-based applications. Um, but also if there is a, if there is a connection to your specific HR system at the moment, and my assumption is there will be more uh, in the future, um, that um, you can get that, um, complete synchronization between those two systems um, as, as people move in, into and around and then out of your, your business. Yeah. And 
you know, like I said, there are more connectors coming in. Yeah, they've got some on their list. Um, there's also other um, functionality coming that is is currently being built that I can't talk about at the moment that may you know is helping with potentially that extra customization on other things, which might be as well as provisioning into other applications that aren't in um, Azure AD. Maybe they are on-premise and they are a bit bespoke. They have to provision them in a different way. Um, you know, updating a SQL table maybe to add users, things like that. That's not SAML or you know, OpenID kind of technology. Okay, so we've talked about um, users... Uh, a device that uses identities and, and bits and bobs like that and around uh, the security of it and how apps integrate and things like that. But how do we um, manage permissions? Um, how does Azure AD help us manage permissions in, say, Office 365, Azure, and even potentially other apps that we've we've integrated? Yeah, so, some of, so we kind of talked about this, that some of the um, SaaS applications give you the capability to provision roles directly in Azure AD. Um, some of it has to be done in the application side. Um, so it depends on what's supported. Um, Office 365 and Azure AD have their administrative roles, global admin, security admin, etc. cetera. Um, so you can give users permissions for that. But with the um, Azure AD Premium P2, you can use something called um, Privileged Identity Management. And what that allows you to do is um, give just in just enough access or just in time access to that role with a workflow. So that means that um, your your um, Exchange admin maybe that doesn't necessarily need Exchange admin all the time because you know they only go in there to make a change. Um, they can request that role for say four hours of the day because they're going to make a change. So it means that if potentially um, a bad actor was able to get their account, they don't automatically have that role to cause damage. They're able to, they would have to request elevation and that is flagged um, and, and audited kind of thing. So to be able to elevate, you have to, you can have the option to require MFA. So you can't just, you know, do it. Um, and that doesn't mean that when you're at, you know, in the office and we have conditional access that says you don't need MFA, it, it ignores that and says, right, you, you're elevating to a higher role. We're now going to do MFA and prove that, that you, it's you. There is another bit where you can actually get approval. So maybe when you've got global admins, you know, and the, the default for or the recommendation for Microsoft Secure Score is, you know, no more than, I think it's more than one, less than five. Um, you can have users elevate to that role to do a global change to, you know, the the Azure AD slash um, Office three six five environment because some you know some things just need global admin to do it, um, and that can go through an approval process. You can say that if you need this, then you you know um, these two users have to one of them has to approve it, and then you have to give a justification. Um, now. You Maybe you're doing a change out of hours. So no one's going to be, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, no one's going to be around. So what you can do is when you're doing that request, you can specify a time that you want it. So you can say, I need global admin at 2 a.m. for an hour because I'm doing this change. And then it goes off to the approvers. They can see what time you want it and they can approve it or reject it. So it's it's given that's that control um, at that level to you know restrict you know access and potentially give some standard users um some elevated roles that they can request if they need it um so we've kind of talked about the azure ad roles but within azure you can do the same thing you can use previous identity management to give someone owner or contributor into a subscription management group or even resource group so again you can give just-in-time access to that environment so, so when we're talking about just-in-time access, uh, just for a minute, um, let's just focus on this in terms of Active Directory, right? Because you've got your standard role-based access control, let's say, 
and you know you're you've you've so you've got alan in your organization right and he handles everything alan's your only it guy so he is de facto global admin let's say right um and so in in traditional active directory you would just assign him like global administrator yeah like as in it would be because is is there a comparable like system inside of Active Directory for PIM? Like, could you do this where you know, like Alan is? Yes, Alan is a global admin, but maybe only for half an hour a day when he's sorting out other people's you know tickets or or, or whatever. You know, that's a really bad example, but do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, is is is, so, is is PIM a feature only available to this 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 new cloud like identity system? So the the identity management pin that I'm talking about is only for Azure AD perspective. Um, there, natively, there isn't anything in Active Directory to give that just-in-time access. There are other products out there that can do that. Um, I don't know them off the top of my head, um, but there are third-party applications or software that can run on-premise to do that process in effect. Um, so so traditionally there's no fir- first party support for a just in time access you know um a process within active directory but now with pim that is first party right you know for azure ad um so 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 un- uh, unless you're going to the effort of say procuring and licensing another piece of software to I assume bolt onto the side of your active directory um you're potentially you're potentially able to get you know functionality that you never previously had um before with with um azure active directory yeah yeah and one thing we've noticed with users in the you know moving to pim is that you know that they're, they're a little frustrated about the process they've got to go through because before and they could just log in and go and do whatever they want um where now they've got to do that potentially approval process or just elevate um so there's a little bit of restriction or a little bit of resistance i guess because you know it's a little bit hindrance i guess but generally it's not too bad i mean we use it don't we with customers and things like that and it's not too bad it's it's relatively quick to get that role as well um and it from from our perspective at least i feel safer that i don't just walk into a customer and i've got global admin and I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. without, without a doubt, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we, you know, um, do a lot of consultancy. But you know, could you imagine just like, I suppose you'd physically have to, you know, potentially if you went on site and they gave you like a laptop and like a proper, you know, a machine to use and a, you know, an actual uh, account inside of AD. You know, could you imagine just having like global admin with no like audit trail or that just sounds like a professional indemnity nightmare waiting <laughs> to happen right so yeah i i do i do absolutely love pim because it's it's like um especially from the azure side because that's the world that i live in you know uh, uh mostly and it's like i'd love owner to these subscriptions just for half an hour just to <laughs> do something right that we've all agreed you know uh, should be conducted um, I'm happy to give a justification and I'm happy to drop that role as soon as I possibly can, because, um, yeah, I don't want to accidentally say deploy something into the wrong <laughs> subscription or resource group accidentally. Right. So yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a massive, um, a massive fan of, um, I, I do get it, especially if you've got, you know, a PIM elevation that you want to do that requires full approval, you know, and you are, you know, it's a no. It's not a Friday afternoon because we don't change stuff on a Friday afternoon. But you know, it's a, it's on it's on a Monday when you know, um, you know the the person on the client side that has to approve them is off on holiday for a couple of days. You know, I I, I get that, and you know they haven't left somebody else in charge. You know, do you see what I mean? Like there's just been a a lapse in process. Um, but but generally on the whole, yeah. I, but I could understand if you were. If you were internal to a business and all you did was third line support for a company, you know, having to justify every time that you wanted to 
elevate up to fix something for some you know a ticket that's come in you know i could i could imagine that that becomes quite onerous but i have also seen on the other side i've seen a lot of customers that are now wanting that level of detail for their audit requirements you know to understand what has happened in the you know what has happened in their estate because i think that's an area you know i come from the software side where absolutely everything is tracked but from a it perspective for a long time that's been reliant on documentation and you know communication to 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 bridge the gap of like what has actually happened in the estate um and and what is you know and, and managing change yeah so you can have you know we're talking about eligibility here versus active you know active account all the time um and you know, you may have service accounts that can't you know, elevate because they're, they're running a service and that's, that's okay. You know, it's not, we're not saying that you should use it all the, you know, it, it doesn't fit everything, but you know, it might be that maybe for a third line support engineer, they don't need to do that approval process, but maybe a level two that's going to go up to a, a, you know, a higher tier may, you know, might need that level, that, that third line to approve it maybe because they want them, you know, that they're, they're delegating that you know, what they're doing kind of thing um so it's different you know it is customizable in that way um so we've kind of talked about the you know the azure ad roles the azure roles but you can do um previous access groups which is in preview at the moment um it's been in preview for a, a year year and a half now so it's been you know it's been out for a while um but in effect you can approve someone to be a member of that group and that group could be um, give you a global admin role, an example. So what this does is it allows you to have more flexibility on um, what those that you know, that subset of users has to do to get added as a member, which gives them global admin or you know a role within um, Azure. Um, because within within the Azure ID groups, the native ones, you can only set up one configuration. So if you say that global admins have to, um, or you know, exchange admins have to approve all the time, and you've got your third line support guy or girl um, having to, um, you know, approve every time, and you want to change that, then you can move into a previous access group that does it for you. Well, what previous access groups then give you is that you can use them in your SaaS applications because they're just a group. I say just a group. Um, they're a group that they act as a security group, which means that then you can assign them, you know, to an application and then into a, then potentially into a role, which means that then someone can elevate into that role in that SaaS application. Um, so it gives you that, that extra, you know, being able to give PIM or use PIM in other, in other applications. Okay, that sounds um, that sounds really powerful, and um, I, I assume because of the now more complex, you know, number of applications that you've got and um, managing access to them, you know, and also assuring ensuring that permissions creep um, doesn't happen, and we we're definitely gonna have to run a whole episode on permissions management now uh, with Entra, aren't we? Yeah, um, and talk about how this all fits together as well because that might be a good uh, another one to do because that can also show you how just simply assigning roles and permissions to people you know um as you go can lead to a a huge amounts of permissions creep right um so so yeah we'll, we'll definitely go through that um so let's just um we're at 48 minutes so let's let's try and try and cap this off but we need to talk about licensing because um, I, my assumption is it sounds very powerful, so it sounds very valuable to to organisations. So um, is 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 Azure AD very expensive? Is it layered? How how how's licensing and packaging of functionality at sort of handled Azure AD? So, like I said at the beginning, there is some um, free tier, so you can get. I think it's basic tier and there's an Office 365 tier. So if you've got Office 365 licensing, you can use it there. And that allows you to use that standard def security defaults functionality where you can't customize anything. It's done for you. 
So that's the the base. Um, and then you've got Azure Deep Premium P1, and that gives you um, conditional access, um, the ability to be more dynamic with Azure MFA, um, gives you self-service password reset, um, seamless single sign-on, and um, password protection, which I've not even talked about because we just don't have time. Um, but in effect, it stops you stops users from um, creating bad passwords, and you can create a pass, bad password list internally. So maybe you've got your organization one, two, three. You, know, you can just remove all like those sort of passwords out of it, um, and that can go onto on-prem AD. Um, just that, um, and then when you move to Azure Premium P two, then you get the identity protection, you get the um, privacy identity management, and then you get a bit that I haven't had a chance to talk about, which is the um, identity governance. And identity governance, in effect, is um, access review. So you can review um, if someone still needs access to this group or application. And you can also create access packages where you can say um, people, uh, users can request this access package and it gives them access to you know, these groups, these applications, these SharePoint sites, these teams. So it might be that you have a finance access package and then you can either manually assign someone to it. You can base it on a group or someone can request access to it. So that it then gives them all the permissions. So kind of using sort of your RBAC model kind of thing with it. Um, and yeah, I think that's the, the, the two. There's only two uh, premium tiers at the moment. Um, and I think that's everything covered in it. There's probably some few things that I've missed um, because it keeps changing all the time. Okay, so not particularly that complex to get your head around in terms of licensing because we've essentially got a free sort of entry base level tier. Then we've got a P1 and a P2 with just different varying levels of functionality. And I, I assume that the P2 functionality is more geared to say the enterprise where things are a little bit more complicated. Like, you know, like you just said, like a finance access package, maybe they need three roles or, or whatever they need, you know, to, to be added to say three groups or something like that. Yeah. Just or if being you've able got to automate a, some of that. Yeah. Or if you've got a small admin team that you want to do previous identity management with, you can just license those users as well. So you can just tear up those users that need okay. to do the PIM side of things. So you don't have to yeah. license everyone, but you can f get the, the best functionality for your, your IT admins. Yeah, so you could you can you can um just license your most like um important users, you know, the the ones that could the identities that could do most damage, you know, if they if they were compromised, um and allow you to help control uh, that access a little bit more. Okay. And um just quickly, um if we didn't use Azure AD what would we use? So there's a couple out there. And to be honest, you'll still have Azure Active Directory somewhere because it's the only authentication for Azure, IaaS, PaaS, and Office 365. So you will have Azure AD. Just depends on what tiering or what you use it for. But you can federate it with um, Okta. So Okta can be the identity provider and then Okta can do the, the single sign-on into the other SaaS applications as well as into Azure AD for Office 365. Um, there are some other ones out there. Uh, Ping Identity is one of them. And I think there's a there's a couple more out there that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but a lot of, we're seeing a lot of organizations start to realize that they're buying licensing anyway, because they buy a Microsoft 365 E3 or an EMS E3. Um, they're already paying for Azure AD Premium 1, which can give you all that functionality. In fact, it's probably best to mention that um, the some of the, I think it was some of the single sign-on stuff is Premium P1. So if you want to start integrating with SaaS applications, you have to be at P1. So really P1 is probably your best bet to start off with at least um, from a licensing, licensing perspective. But, but yeah, we're seeing a lot of users starting to cost save or realize that actually Azure AD now is capable because, you know, three, two, well, three or four years ago, two, three, four years ago, it probably wasn't 
as good as an you know as Okta or as Ping Identity that sort of stuff. But now you know there's a lot that is comparable, and there's very little that's different now. And actually bringing those technologies in actually makes the user experience complex. So maybe we've gone from a little you know uh, full circle here where um, Microsoft um, starts to. Um, integrate identity into Office 365 and Azure. Um, there are gaps to fill in terms of functionality. We've seen other companies and you know uh, other companies and software come up to maybe plug some of those holes because maybe you know the speed at which Microsoft rolls out. I mean they do roll out a lot, but in terms of they've got a larger state of software that they have to manage, right? So, but but now what you're saying is is we've sort of gone back to a tipping point where you know, a lot of organizations, you know, if they if they rely on Office Suite, for instance, um, they can be licensed for a lot of this already, or they've got some element of their identities in Azure AD because they've got to be able to authenticate, say, against Azure and Office 365, so that an uplift to a P1 is actually relatively minor compared to the cost of a full-bore, say, Okta, you know, um, subscription or something like that, right? Um, and then you get back to this singular identity control plane, don't you? Which I, I think we should have a whole episode on just uh, just as one go. Um, but yeah, I can I, I kind of understand that as well. But but it, but if I am an organization that does have an Okta or a Ping, um, I can still integrate, you know, into Azure AD and get some of that level of fed. You know, but I'm just probably going my main source of identity is those external systems i'd assume right and we're federating like out to azure ad at that point aren't we you know because the, the source of truth for identity is say like an octa that's the center of their universe potentially yeah it 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 depends because you know if a lot of the users have got an you know an, an active directory and then they're synchronized their identities to octa but they're also synchronizing their identities to azure ad and then they're they're <laughs> yeah. doing the matching from Okta to yeah. Azure AD, and then yeah. um, so that that probably also adds it adds a level layer of complexity as well, right? When you've got potentially like you know three identity platforms to you know control, manage, and um, and also have the knowledge and skills in house to to do all of that work, right? So yeah, that can be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you're you're pretty much going to be managing Azure AD anyway, because if you're an Office 365 user or organization, then you're going to have it and you're going to use it. So it's that kind of, depending on what you do and what you're using in those other third-party identity providers, you know, can you can you, know, can you do majority of it in Azure AD? I mean, I sound like I'm preaching to to move, but it's a realistic <laughs> that is your ask. job Alan. yeah i know i know but but you know we don't yeah yeah we you know we don't we don't we we say how it is you know it's no no yeah yeah and i think that's i think that's quite a good point to make really is that you know sometimes it it would all be nice for it to be in one place but then there's the real world that gets involved in terms of you know money contracts and you know commercials you know that gets involved you know because moving moving between these systems takes a lot of effort and a lot of work doesn't it um we've got commercial contracts that are in place and, and things like that so i think it is it is worth mentioning that um alan and i especially we do like to approach a a request that comes in from a client you know and we we, we do a discovery to understand their what they're trying to achieve and you know um in this example, whether a move to Azure AD, you know, as you know, a singular place for their identities would actually be of ben you know, overall net benefit to the business, right? So I think that is and I, I think that should come across as well in, in all of our podcast episodes, is we are heavily focused on Microsoft and Microsoft technologies. Um, but we are acutely aware that other people exist in the world and we have to we all have to play nice in the sandbox together, don't we? Um, because effectively uh, you know, as as technologists or IT or you know uh, whatever you want to refer yourself as uh, to, essentially here we're just um, here to make users' lives easier, right? And um, 
and a user doesn't care where their identity is stored, right? They might do, you know, if there's a breach or, or something <laughs> like that, but day to day, they just want to make sure that they can access their HR system so they can book their holiday or, you know, and, <laughs> and all of those, and that's just a very basic scenario, but okay, let's, um, we're, we're literally at an hour <laughs> right now. So I'm going to hard cut it now. Um, anything that we haven't talked about in Azure AD, we are going to, we will cover with separate topics. Um, Alan will kick himself at the end of this podcast episode, I promise you, and he yeah. will write furious notes into other episodes. <laughs> so don't worry about it if we missed it. Um, so let's just do a quick reflection. Let me just, you know, um, mirror back to you sort of what I've learned um, and what you've been talked about. So Azure AD is a um, is a cloud first way to um, to obtain an identity, and um, Azure AD is really focused on Authenticating against, authenticating against those cloud systems and also other SaaS applications that you will be um, integrating with. It's not a replacement for Active Directory. It's simply a different way of managing identities in a different environment. You know, there's still communication that goes on between Active Directory and Azure Active Directory, and that will continue for, I assume, many years um, to come. Um, we're also, we're also utilizing Azure AD, um, to secure conditional access, um, to, uh, people's identities. Uh, we may use security defaults or we might, um, go on and actually produce our own set of conditional access policies that we might want to put into our organization. Um, management of user lifecycle is maybe... Um, is obviously possible, and there are some first-party connections to HR systems now, so you don't have to potentially go down the MIM route and sort of build your own synchronization engine there. Um, but if you do want to go down that route, and maybe you do have more custom, you know, um, custom requirements there, that is still possible. You know, it's not a lockdown system. You can talk to it and you can control it um, automatically. Um, and also, um, we've got things like PIM and PAG to secure our most valuable accounts, mainly administrative accounts, because you know um, the people that manage these systems f usually have high permission, you know, high permissions creep, where, as we spoke about, you may have a global admin that can just do anything they like at any time. And that could be relatively dangerous if that identity was uh, breached at some point. Uh, is there anything else that I've missed there, Alan? Does that sound like that sound pretty fair? Good representation. Yeah, the only thing I'd say is, like you said, around the it's not you know Azure AD isn't a replacement for Active Directory. Uh, potentially it is, but it's not a like, like we said. It's a journey. It's a definite journey to to go there because there's going to be a lot of you know legacy capability that still needs on-prem ad and like you said it's going to be years before potential companies can move but it, it's okay. a journey yeah. yeah yeah so it is it is it is the potential to be a you know a replacement for active directory but maybe businesses and maybe the maturity of the product isn't there to get to that place maybe at this time is that what you're sort of saying yeah for the there's a lot there's a lot of yeah. change and a lot of okay. um different thinking around how you manage things so it's 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 tra it's, a, it's a it's a lot of transformation yeah and and identity is really the core of it isn't it right yeah. so it's quite a it's quite a scary yes. thing to move around and change yes. right so exactly yeah, can imagine that the things okay um let's wrap it up there for um azure ad um so next episode um is going to be me um in the hot seat we are going to talk around the cloud adoption framework um, and essentially, this is a framework to help you structure um, your cloud environments to best migrate potential, say, workloads for your from your on-premise um, your on-premise infrastructure into the cloud. Um, effectively, what we're trying to do is trying to put some best practice and some structure in um, around Azure um, before it becomes wild west um, and everybody and the product team get their hands on it. Um, so yeah, so if you have enjoyed this episode, 
um, please do consider subscribing uh, if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Uh, we have so many more topics that we want to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability to give us some feedback. Um, you know, did you enjoy this episode? Did I definitely miss something with Azure AD? Um, you know, any thoughts? Um, there's a, there should be a link in the show notes to, um, to be able to give us some feedback. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Great. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks very much for your time today, Alan. That was a great um, run through of Azure AD and we managed to do it in an hour and five minutes, which I think was actually quite respectable for Azure AD. We did know this was going to be an absolute beast. So apologies to everybody that had to listen to this at like two times speed to get through it. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a bit of a thing. And like we said, we'll break out to some other episodes about some specific thing. Because like governance and access packages could just be one episode just by itself so let's yeah. let's put that in the diary to to get that across okay thanks very much for listening and um we'll speak to you guys see you guys in the next one cheers yeah speak to you soon bye